Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. You know what I mean? It just doesn't compute, you know? The law is the law. Peter, this is in our hands. I mean, it really is. People were there. We will continue to raise our voices. We're the one for Cork and ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 1850-715-996. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The lines are live. Let's kickstart the conversation. This is The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Do you know the way the little things are getting to you more than they ever did before. You know those annoying things that your friends do, that the people in your family do, those things that just everyone around you does that grind your gears a little bit? They're grinding your gears more than they ever did. There's a reason for it. Guess what? COVID-19. Few things really annoy us over here. I'll tell you about it in a while. Also, something else I want you to learn between now and midday today on this uh, 21st day of April, I want you to learn something. I want you to learn the one thing you must never, ever do to a person or with a person or for a person who stammers. The one thing you should, if you have a friend or a cousin or a sibling or whatever, who stammers, the one thing you must never, ever do and you think you've been kind when you're doing it, don't ever, ever do it. That comes up later on this morning. 1850-715-996 is the number. Lines are open now, particularly for the thing that just drives you mad all the time and is driving you even madder at the moment. I'll tell you mine in a minute. I will. I have to do a demonstration of my one. But let us go first to the Besbra story. Uh, the oral hearing is underway or getting underway into plans for apartments on the former mother and baby home. Uh, on board Planola will be told today that the developer is happy to conduct more site investigations to establish whether human remains exist on the site. MWB2 has issued a statement and I'll read the key parts of that a little bit later. But Carmel Cantwell from the Besborough Commemoration Committee, of which I am a proud member and where I host and I'm proud to do their annual commemoration in June for the mothers and babies who didn't make it out of Besborough over the years. Carmel put a very uh, poignant photo on her Twitter last night and poised the question, what a travesty it would be to have a seven-storey apartment block 
overlooking the site of the annual commemoration for women and children who died in Besborough. Carmel, good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. That little clearing in the woods is where we gather every June and hopefully we'll be able to gather this year, COVID allowing. That's where this would look down upon. Yes, and what really upset me is actually the developers have planned their apartment blocks to make a feature of the folly. And, um, you know, for many of us, and I I think I've heard you say it before, that the folly has actually become like um, an unofficial headstone for the children that died there. Um, I know that when I visited uh, the folly uh, probably 27 years ago now, there used to be plates hanging up, handmade plates made by mothers with the babies, uh, their babies' deceased names written on them. So it was very much an area, um, you know, going back some decades uh, where people visited to memorialise their children. Um, and we do believe that children are buried all around that area. Well, of course, we still have from the report of the Mother and Baby Homes Commission, controversial in all as that report was, we still have the bones of 900 children, literally bones, and we don't know where they are. No, I mean, I believe um, it's 859 children, 19 mothers are actually um, unaccounted for in burial records. So that's an awful, an awful lot of... um, um, you know, babies to be buried somewhere. They had to be buried somewhere. The likely place is that they're buried on the grounds. Now, I know the original site uh, was about 200 acres and slowly over the years, you know, there's been parts of the land taken away. You know, I think that regardless of what uh, MWB2 do in regards of um, archaeology um, is that the area should be preserved in memory of the 19,000 women and children that were incarcerated and separated in Besborough. It's, you know, the historical legacy is just huge. And I really think that we could do something now. We could preserve that area, make it a parkland for the community, put a memorial garden there for the children. Um, You know, even as someone who lives in the area, I really don't think that we need more apartment blocks, more traffic on the roads. Now, Carmel, you've told me your story many times over the years. You thought for a long time, as did your mum, that your late brother William was buried down there. Now, you've established that he, that he wasn't. You now know where he, where he was laid to rest. But, but there are many more who have no clue what happened to their child. No, they're, um, they're absolutely clueless. I was contacted by a lady yesterday who's got twin siblings. Um, that died in 1959 and she's trying desperately to get some information. Um, This is where the Commission of Investigation failed us. It it failed to reach any conclusions um, about the the story of what happened to the children. Um, uh, It really was disappointing. Will it ever be good enough to build on that site, Carmel, until we know precisely what lies beneath well, I think this is my point. I don't think we should build at all. I think that, that there's there's only 60 acres of land left. There's probably some areas of development that will probably happen on the front side of Besborough. But this area um, it is the most likely place where uh, out of sight, at the back of the house, that burials took place. I just think out of remembrance um, of all those that went through, uh, it really should be preserved mm-hmm. as, as a memorial park. I know that you don't have much time with us because you're actually going to uh, take part in the oral hearing, Carmel. We won't know the outcome until June. Uh, How hopeful would you be? 
Um, I don't know. I mean, when you've got a lot of experts, a lot of academics, archaeologists, they're um, uh, all defending MWB's position. Um, I don't know. I can only speak from the heart. I can only just appeal to people. You know, if, if you had lost a child and you don't know where they're buried, but you presume that they're buried in this area... With, uh, you know, without the evidence of them being buried any, anywhere else, you would presume that they're buried in this area. Well, you know, no one would want apartment blocks uh, going up over it. You know, I mean, I don't know. It, it, it's a huge uh, development. It would surround the folly. I think it would just be, it would take away from the historical folly as well. Would you feel and personally hurt by it, Carmel, as someone who's had yeah, a direct connection? It's, it feels like a stab in the heart. I mean, you know, um, Neil Martin got up and said that it was all society's fault, the mother and baby homes, and he made an apology. But here we go again. Society are going to dictate and they want proposing to put apartment blocks on, on an area where children could be buried. Um, again, it feels like um, that these children have been othered Allow me to briefly read you the last paragraph of a statement issued, if you would, Carmel, by MWB2. They say they are, and I quote, very conscious of the historical concerns and sensitivities regarding Besborough Mother and Baby Home. The company has engaged experts in the areas of archaeological conservation and heritage in order to approach the development in the most sensitive manner possible. The experts' report concluded there is no evidence to suggest the proposed development site contains any undocumented burials or so associated with the former mother and baby home. However, as part of the planning process, MWB2 has committed to carrying out a full archaeological investigation at the site. Is that worth anything to you, Carmel? No, I mean, first off, they, they went to do their archaeological surveys at the end of 2019. Very secretly, they, they didn't contact any survivor groups or mother and baby groups. They just went ahead to did, uh, put their trenches in um, and we we found out afterwards when they were filled in um, if you really want to engage with people that are hurt this was a very insensitive thing to do okay okay we'll we'll follow the oral hearing we won't know the outcome until june but we will keep in touch with the developments. Thank you very much. Carmel Cantrell, a member of the Besborough Commemoration Committee and will be one of those taking part in the oral hearing of Onboard Planola. And we'll, we'll follow it with interest as it, uh, it, as it goes along. 1850-715-996. PJ, I can't understand why anyone would want to live in an apartment there with such a history. It should be a memorial place. And, and the more you talk about it, the more people think, well, it actually is. And if... If you look across the estuary at the Besborough site and you look into it, you, you, you're struck with the thought, isn't it a beautiful place to put a public park? Like, look at what they've done in Hull Bowling and what they've done with that old sort of dumping area. In well, just think, looking across the estuary at Besborough, if you know the area, or if you're from that part of town, like how, how, how beautiful would it be as a public park? with trees and seats and picnic areas and places that we could bring our children to play and our dogs to walk and, you know, just just do the simple human things. And at least then we wouldn't be building on top of what might or who might lie beneath. 1850-715-996. The things that annoy you more than normal, uh, they're annoying you more these days and 
there's a certain amount of psychological basis to say that they're annoying you more because of the pandemic. I'll come back to that. But we were just, again, scanning the house to know what is it that really, really, really grinds your gears. Fargal was saying anyone spitting in the street just makes him want to, you know, he sticks his hands in his pockets for fear of an urge towards violence. (laughs) Terry reckons, and it's people who hog the middle lane and the road or the motorway, just... I had to demonstrate this. And, you know, look, eating with your mouth or speaking with your mouth fully is always a bad habit. And we're all guilty of it from time to time. But the one thing, I have one in my hand right now, the one thing that just... Oh, God, I can feel the shivers, I can feel the goosebumps, and I just want to shout, stop. Is this. People who decide they're going to make a very valid point, a really interesting point, through a mouthful of apple. There's nothing does my head in worse. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With dairy-made premium spread, 100% natural and made in Cork using West Cork cream. The drama is sensational. That's 80. Oh, he's done it. It's an equaliser. It's stoppage time. And it's all right here. Grealish for seven. Join me, Trevor Welch, on 96FM.ie for the Premier League Live online, powered by TalkSport. Go, go. Join us Saturdays as we bring you pre-match analysis with some of the biggest names in the game. Live commentary, exclusive interviews, and don't miss the post-match breakdowns. The Premier League Live Online. With now, stream live Premier League action with a Now Sports or Sports Extra membership. Listen every Saturday on the Cork's 96FM app or see 96FM.ie. Fleetwood Weatherclad Paint has been protecting the exterior of Irish homes for over 40 years. We engineer, test and manufacture all our paints in Virginia County Cavan. Fleetwood Weatherclad is made in Ireland for Irish weather. In fact, we are so confident in the quality of Fleetwood Weatherclad, it now comes with a lifetime guarantee for as long as you live in your home. Who would give you a lifetime guarantee on their exterior paint? Fleetwood would. Ask for Fleetwood Weatherclad and visit fleetwood.ie to find your local stockist. When it comes to your health and well-being, we believe you've waited long enough. Our Leia Health and Wellbeing Clinics provide urgent care for minor illnesses and injuries within an hour of arrival. 365 days a year. We don't just want to help you get well, we want to keep you that way. That's why our clinics also provide cardiac screening and consultations with a health coach. Just another way Leia Healthcare looks after its members. Leia Healthcare, looking after you always. Urgent care available to all aged 12 months and over. Wellbeing benefits available to Leia Healthcare members. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850-715-996. On Cork's 96FM. Now I know... I know someone is going to ring up just to annoy me and do that. Anyway, a serious face for a moment. But that is the one thing that just, oh God, I'm, I'm, my hands are clenching to get around your throat and yank the apple out of your mouth. And it annoys me even more in the pandemic 
all these things. So what's yours? What's yours? We have a beautiful walk from Douglas to Donnybrook. All I see are doggy poo bags hanging off the shrubs. It's disgusting. I think the council should put in bins for the poo bag. Yeah, that's... Oh, God, I love that one. Like, you go for a walk and people bring their dogs and they bring a bag for the poo and they pick up the poo and they put it into a bag doing all the right thing. You do know, don't you, that you're then supposed to bring it home and dump it properly. You're not supposed to hang it off the nearest shrub. Like, <laughs> do we have to write that on the packet? If you're out with the dog, and particularly them little small brown dogs, you know those ones, wee brown dogs? Yeah, they're bigger on the inside. You know, they're, they're, they're the height of a Jack Russell, and inside they, they think they're a Rottweiler. You know those ones? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It comes up at a half stone. You know, those... Take the bag home. There's people hanging them on trees. And that's another thing that drives some people crazy. I'd like to know what yours is. 185715996 or the text of WhatsApp 0833969696. I want to follow up with you on the latest position with Dr. John Campbell and what he was saying to us on the programme last week and where that is going. This is to do with the vaccines, the concerns out there about AstraZeneca and about Johnson & Johnson, the kind of vaccines that they are, and the very, very, very slight possibility of getting a blood clot. And Dr. Campbell, who is a retired nurse and nurse tutor and has a million subscribers nearly on YouTube and tens of thousands, in fact, nearly 35 million views of his various videos, he was on with us on Friday in his latest contribution to the opinion line. And he's come up with a theory as to why these particular injections might have to be given or should possibly be given a slightly different way. So here's what, here's what John said to me on Friday. What we're always taught as nurses is when you put a needle in, you should always draw back a little bit. Blood comes back into that needle. That means you're in a blood vessel. Then you would take it out and, and try again. Now, it very rarely happens. I've just when I, when I started looking at this, I started thinking back through 40 years of experience. And I think that's only happened to me maybe once in 40 years. But suppose that means that's once in, say, 10,000 injections, that it goes into a vein instead of going into a muscle. Now, this data from 2006 showed that if you give adenovirus vectors intravenously into a blood vessel in mice, not done in humans, because that would be unethical, obviously. So in mice, if you give these intravenous adenoviruses, they will stimulate the platelets to start clotting. And that will trigger blood clots. So he's coming at that from 40 years experience in Nursing. Now, Deputy Colin Burke, who's a member of the Oireachtas Health Committee, uh, was listening that morning, called us briefly in response to it and spoke to us further over the weekend and he promised to take it upstairs. He wrote to Paul Reid of the HSE and he wrote to the Minister for Health, Stephen Donnelly. But Colm also was before the Health Committee yesterday and true to his word, he brought it up. It's in relation to the rollout of the vaccine and the approach now being adopted in Denmark, where in administering the vaccine, my understanding is there, I may not have the right medical terms, they're drawing back the um, syringe so to make sure that they haven't hit a blood supply vessel 
And I was recently um, asked to deal with it on um, 96 Affair in Cork, where there's a Dr. John Campbell who has made a, a suggestion that if the vaccine hits blood supply or into a vein directly, that this can contribute to clotting. Is there a mechanism there in the same as what Denmark has now? They've changed their policy uh, to deal with this issue. And I'm just wondering, is that being reviewed here in Ireland? So he brings the question before the Eroctus Committee. It's being held virtually. So that's a, a Zoom connection, I presume, from Cullum's office. Uh, so attending that committee yesterday were Dr. Cullum Henry of the HSE and Professor Karina Butler from NIAC, the National Immunisation Advisory Committee, and also a Dr. Breda Corcoran, who's a public health consultant. And Professor Butler first answered, uh, was the first to answer uh, Colin's question. This um, subject has actually been discussed at EU level, and um, that has been considered, and it's felt that that was in no way related to the development of these clots. Uh, Dr. Corcoran may want to come in further on that. Um, just to say that the the issue in Europe was examined by the European Medicines Agency as to whether there was any link between uh, the, the the vaccine going into a vein, as as the deputy has suggested, and the the possibility of these very rare clotting events. Um, all the evidence from the EMA and our colleagues in the Health Products Regulatory Authority is that there has been no association with this. Okay, and then it came back, the question came back to Dr. Cullum Henry, who is Chief Clinical Officer of the HSE. Deputy, just to reiterate, there is um, no link between uh, the, the rare clotting, uh, venous clotting syndromes that are reported with the, these vaccines are immune-mediated and, and okay. as such um, are not linked to this uh, to, to injection technique, which is intramuscular. So uh, at this point in time, we don't see any reason to change the advice and training we give to people on intramuscular injection, a uh, procedure that most healthcare professionals would be very familiar with. And do you believe that Denmark is overreacting on this issue? I mean, this is their approach now in Denmark. Um, I, I couldn't comment on, on, on what Denmark have chosen to do, uh, Deputy. So effectively, it seems that the theory, as put before the committee by Colin Burke, pretty much dismissed out of hand there by Professor Butler and Dr. Henry. What I propose to do now is, as you can do because it's publicly available, we've downloaded the audio from that committee meeting and I am going to send it because there's a lot more to that. That's just four clips that we clip we pulled for for brevity purposes. I'm going to send the proceedings uh, to uh, Dr. Campbell and see what he makes of it and see where the theory, because that's what it is, I guess, goes from here. But I just wanted to bring it up to speed on it and credit his due, I guess, to... Uh, Deputy Colin Burke for doing what he said he would do and doing it within a couple of days, bringing it to the most senior people. 1857 1596. Can we just talk? The opinion line on Cork's 96 FM. With Dairy Made Premium Spread. 100% natural and made in Cork using West Cork Cream. Let me show you what it's all about. 
Simon Murdoch and the best music mix. Weekdays from midday on Cork's 96FM. You know, I've always got the big tunes to race you through your afternoon in Cork. Bring you all the latest entertainment news. If it's happening side, I'll tell you about it. But it's not all about me, it's about you too, so make sure you're on the air as well. Good, beautiful sunny day here in Yon. How are you, are you, are you? <laughs> and it's glorious. Funny there was a beer garden up and I would have stopped in there for the afternoon. <laughs> Simon Murdoch, midday to 4 p.m. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Conceal, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life, and health insurance, cmig.ie. On Cork's 96 FM. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Cork's 96 FM. Let alone the doggy bags hanging off shrubs, which would drive you crazy. Someone on the phone saying that she knows this guy who dumps tea bags and vegetable peelings while out for a walk. Like, why would you do that? Just, Just put them in the bin. The food bin. We all have one now. Actually, have you ever noticed how your food bin is the heaviest of the three of them? It's the smallest, but by goodness, it's a heavy bugger with all the waste in it. But yeah, why would you do that? Just chuck it in the food bin. And Mary was um, most amused by my little uh, demonstration of what annoys me. I'm not going to do it again. She, she burst out laughing and got some strange looks while she's out on a morning walk. Thanks, Mary. 1850 Took a call yesterday, just before 10 o'clock, if you remember, from Breda. And Breda is in the category, the cohort, of people who is eligible for an AstraZeneca vaccine. And Breda is scared stiff. And I did my best to sort of say to her, look, the science and the medicine tells us that the chances of anything happening to you are really, really, really small. And the chances of you getting very sick with COVID-19 are far, far bigger. So on the balance of everything, you're much safer to go and get your AstraZeneca. But she was saying she's losing sleep with worry. And she was saying she feels she's forced into it. And she feels that she's been given no choice because if she says she wants to wait until she gets a Pfizer or something like that, she'll go back to the back of the queue. And she was upset about that. And I think she's one of many. And I was very grateful to her for for coming on with me to start a conversation because some people are feeling a bit like that. But yesterday, the Mass Vaccination Centre at City Hall opened its doors officially for the first time to people in that category, in that particular cohort, who were there to get an AstraZeneca vaccine. And our senior news reporter, Fiona Corkin, was there. Hi, Fee. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Did you find people nervous or how did you find them yesterday? Um, yeah, a few people were nervous because of all of the reports of blood clotting, but the majority of people were in really good spirits and were delighted to be finally getting the vaccine. And I think the majority of people, or the people that I spoke to anyway in the queue yesterday, said that, um, you know, that they had considered the blood clots, but they were happy to take the AstraZeneca given, 
you know, the options of either getting it or waiting until July, possibly, or even, um, you know, and, and, and the fear that people have had of getting COVID, especially in this age group. Yeah. So they were, um, you know, overall, the people that I spoke to were very happy to get it. And, and were there was a, you know, yesterday now I was over in the court a lot yesterday and I looked out a couple of times and there was queues outside City Hall um, fr- from people who were coming in. And I think up around 900 people got the vaccination there yesterday. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, they were yeah they were all pretty good. It was the sixty five to sixty nine year olds, and um, they said that you know everything was kind of done very well inside. You queue up to go in the Anglesey Street side of City Hall. You come out the Eglinton Street. So there's security guards there directing people along the way. And um, I did. I think you have a clip there, PJ, of the people that I spoke to I yesterday do. who were going. I spoke to two people who were going in and two people who were coming out. Okay, let's have a listen. Yeah, I'm well pleased. It must have been waiting long enough, and you know you'll be a bit nervous. Yeah, hopefully no, I'll go well. Do you have any concerns about getting it? I haven't. No. I haven't, to be quite honest. Yeah, I had a good look for it, and um, you know I'm happy enough to take it. Yeah. You don't care if it's AstraZeneca or anything. No. Just uh, the AstraZeneca I'm getting actually, so I'm just I'm just happy to be getting to getting the injection and, uh, and drive on. Oh, I'm delighted, absolutely, and I don't mind which one I have. Yes, leave yeah. the vaccines to the experts. If I was going to any other country and I have to get something for yellow fever or something for anything else, I don't start inquiring about what's in it. Yeah. And I'm sure the experts have looked into it and I'm delighted to be going for AstraZeneca today. I haven't been in town for months, <laughs> so I decided I'd get dressed up and come in today. I know, it's just admiring your yes. hat. It's lovely. Because I haven't been in in ages and actually it's kind of disappointing. Disappointing. I thought I'd have a shopping spree. I'd forgotten everything was closed. But AstraZeneca all the way. Does it feel to finally have it? Brilliant, great. So, and they're very organised. So, great to have it. Do you have any concerns about getting it? I or did, we... because I had a clot in my leg. But they brought a doctor in and he confirmed that it's okay. Everything is okay. Did you get the AstraZeneca vaccine? Yeah, that's the only one they're given today. Yeah. So everything's fine. Thank you. So when you get your second vaccine now, when you're fully fully yeah. vaccinated, what are you looking forward to most? To be able to get out and do what you want to do yourself without having you know, restrictions. Yeah. We have a mobile in Gary Vaux, so head down there for the summer. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Fantastic all together. I feel a bit safe now anyway. Yeah. You know, it is everything. What are you looking forward to doing most when you're fully vaccinated? Um, I don't know, really. You know, just getting back to normal, going to the shops. Did you have any concerns about getting the vaccine? I was worried about the clots, all right, you know. Mm. But I said, look, it has to be done. So I said I'd get it anyway. What a lot of people are saying, Fiona, is they're impressed with how organised it all is inside. You've been through the centre yourself on a separate occasion, haven't you? I was at the centre at Parky Cueve, yeah, and that centre is actually opening to the same cohort today and um, it's very well organised. As I said, there will be security guards directing people where they have to go. You go in, there's all... um, these little boots that you're brought into so nobody can see you getting your vaccination it's all very private um, then there's um, you're brought over then to a waiting room and you have to it's an observation area and you wait there for 15 minutes after you get your vaccine and then you're brought out and um, 
All very well managed, yeah. The centre at Parky Cueve opens today, as I said. Now, both centres will remain open depending on the vaccine supply. So they'll continue doing this age group until they're finished and then they'll be hoping to do the 60s to 65-year-olds. Um, but I suppose at this stage it's hard to say how long they'll be able to keep going. It just all depends on the vaccine supply. But um, they they hope to be moving through it fairly quickly. Um, you know, I, th- I think there was around 900 people vaccinated yesterday. They'll yeah. be hoping for a similar number today. So, okay. yeah, it's... Um, interesting you know, interesting they, few weeks ahead. And event- yeah. eventually they'll get to all of us, I suspect, Fiona, at some stage over the next couple of weeks and months. Thanks very much, Fiona Corcoran, uh, our senior news reporter. Uh, who is what well, was yesterday down at that vaccination centre in City Hall where people were getting the AstraZeneca. Uh, we got our first injection the other day uh, from Dr Murphy's in Mayfield. Everyone was relaxed and happy. Most of us are not afraid of this. We get the science. God love the people that are afraid of it, but we're just glad to be free of COVID-19. Remember I told you last week about my buddy in Hoboken, New Jersey, who wants to get back to Ireland in the summertime for a very important family birthday. His dad will be 90. And he texted me last week to say that he'd been sent a message booking him in for Johnston Johnson. And then eight hours later, he got another message cancelling Johnston and Johnson because, of course, the whole Johnston and Johnson thing in the US was paused. And because of the fact that he needs to wait between two doses, Sean, for that is his name, Sean was a bit nervous about you know, how long he might be waiting now because he really wants to get home in the summer for his dad's birthday and he doesn't want to be tied up in quarantine for a couple of weeks. And of course, eventually, people who are fully vaccinated won't have to quarantine, which is which is only right, let's face it. He got his first Pfizer yesterday. Yesterday. So that, and he's younger than me and I'm not going to tell you what age I am. So that's how you do it, lads. You do it fast. You do it efficiently. And a few messages in from people who have had their first vaccination in various places other than the City Hall or Parky Cueve. And what I'm very, very pleasantly surprised to see, not, I don't think I'm that surprised, because I think our nurses and doctors and stuff on the front line are doing a great job, very happy to see how well organised the centres appear to be. And you go in and they chat with you and they explain to you what's going to happen and you have your jab. And then you get some 15 minutes or something to recover just in case there's any instant side effect, which is even more rare than the blood clots by all accounts. And you wait and then you're, you're sent on your merry way and all you're left with is maybe a little plaster with a small spot of blood on it and perhaps a headache, which they'll tell you to take paracetamol and you will be fine. And that is just your, as Dr. Beth Brint explained to us a few weeks ago on the programme, that is literally just your immune system going, Hey, what's this? What on earth is this? That has just come into us. And then after about 24 hours, it goes, Oh, that's all right, lads. Friendly fire. Friendly fire. We're okay. That's a normal reaction. Professor Beth Brint, that's right. Professor Beth, Beth, Beth Brint at UCC was telling us that a few weeks ago. But anyway. I will return to it, I guess, in the fullness of time. Yesterday, Leo Varadkar, he... (laughs) I tell you something, Leo loves to speak out. Leo loves to speak and make little videos. And I wonder, does does Micheál Martin have any control 
over what his Tánaiste is doing on his own little videos. Because he came out of the Cabinet meeting yesterday and he had this bill in his hand on ticket touting, which we'll be talking about later on, the, the ripping off of people by selling tickets at 10 times the value. That's going to be banned now. I'll come back to it. But he also was talking about uh, gyms and how much he's missing the gym and how people are asking him when the gyms are going to be back. I miss the gym big time. I'm sick to death of running and running around the park. I'm bored of it. I uh, would love to get back to the gym, but again, uh, no decision made on that. What will happen is Cabinet will meet next week, uh, probably around Thursday, Friday, uh, with the advice from Neffet, and then we'll be able to set out uh, what can open in May and then give some indication as to um, uh, when are things, uh, what will open in June or July. So I uh, know the gyms are opening in England and Northern Ireland if they haven't already, and uh, people are keen to get back to them and I guarantee you that if anyone's going to make the cabinet of that for uh, at the case for cabinet for the gyms to open it's going to be me um, but of course there are things that are important too and um, we'll be very keen as well to allow people to return to um, religious services and get to the barbers and hairdressers and beauty salons and uh, all those things that people are mentioning That's Leo on his Instagram live yesterday outside Dublin Castle where the cabinet was meeting and he mentioned hairdressers there. The Hair and Beauty Industry Confederation of Ireland has issued a press release this morning. They've written to the government to highlight what they call the devastating impact of COVID-19 on the sector across every county in Ireland. Margaret O'Rourke Doherty is their CEO. Margaret, good morning to you. Good morning good morning to you and your listeners. This you're one of the sectors hardest hit. Um, like at this stage, we're all practically eating our own hair. But but that's our problem. Your problem is your businesses are just locked down for the last twelve months. For practically, practically. Yeah, it's it's been a really really challenging um, year. Um, I suppose when we look at the figures, if you take the last well since the pandemic hit, we've been closed thirty eight weeks. Um, so that has a major major impact on our industry and on our businesses and, and actually on our towns and villages across Ireland because we are an anchor tenant in each of those towns and villages. And um, when I look at Cork, you know, just to give you some stats, I have there's one thousand and twenty eight salons, hard hairdressers, barbers, beauticians, um in, in Cork and there's uh, two thousand nine hundred and fifteen people employed in, in, in the area there. Mm. What I always found a bit strange was particularly ladies' hairdressers, where soap and water abounds. We were told about the importance of soap and water at the start of this pandemic, and in a place where everyone is using soap and water and everything is sterilised and all that, you'd have thought that hairdressers would have been would have been okay, but it's, again, the movement of people transmits the virus. That's why they locked you all down. Have you been properly supported throughout it all, though, financially? Yeah, I, I would say we haven't. Um, look, there, there obviously there has been support from government, but but they're, they're definitely not enough. Um, they're not enough to sustain any SME, to be honest. Um, but when we look at our industry, our industry is very much impacted by the shadow economy and um, you know the black market. There's always been a mixer culture um, in the industry, and that's really really taken over. So the supporting systems that are in place, while they're welcome, they're just not strong enough. And um, you know our doors might be closed. You know, but our, you know, we still have all of those fixed expenses. You know, mm. most of our tenants or most of our members are, you know, uh, anchor tenants on high streets, you know, and their rents are still incurring. All of those bills are still clocking, 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 you know, and it's it's causing real issues for our members. So they really, really need to be supported. Is there a possibility that some salons might never open again? Yeah, there already has been. Like, we've already lost and we are are, are seeing salons closing and leaving and just saying, I can't do this anymore. Um, and, it, you know, the longer this goes on, 
for all SMEs, not just not just SANS, you know, there's businesses that are just falling on their knees saying, you know, we need support. And I think it's 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 incumbent on government to really recognise how bad the situation is. Like, we're not talking about multinationals and we're not talking about businesses. We're talking about the people in our communities, the business owners that support the local GAA clubs, that support all of those little bits or all, all those community functions. They are dying on their feet and we need support. And I guess listening to all of that, it's very valid every word that you say. But I suppose if, if you're planning what we do to reopen. You have to take into account both your contribution, very valid, and the contribution of the public health doctors who say, for goodness sake, don't do this too quickly. And we did it too quickly last summer. Let's let's not lie about it. We did it too quickly last summer. And look where we ended up. So there's a, there's a huge balance to be struck, Margaret. Yeah, and I suppose like that's the thing. We we fully recognise the health and safety issues here. But if you if you step back and actually look at the evidence base there, you know, when when we look at our members and, and we look at the number of salons, we can estimate that there was about six point eight million services that were delivered in the period that we were open last year. When we break that down, you know, that's a, a huge amount of services delivered across an industry. And when we look at the figures from the the the, the, the figures from the, the HSBC, there is seven outbreaks that are related to the industry, that are that are noted to personal grooming. That's very, very small. Now, granted, every case is a case too many, yeah. but when we look at the figures and we look at the evidence-based, it's very, very small. Plus, there's, there's always the, the caveat for any of these things, Margaret, that for many, many times and many, many weeks during, and particularly during the, the last surge at Christmas time, our tracing was just not fit for purpose. Exactly, exactly. But if, if you look at what the industry have done, the industry, have we, we have come together, we have put a, a set of uh, guidelines there. So our environment is a very, very controlled environment anyway. We're an appointment-based system. We are very controlled. You know, everything, all the systems, policies, like I've been in the hospital recently, you know, and actually... When I went to the hospital, nobody came along after I got up out of my chair and, and sanitised it down. Do you know what I mean? Like when you go to a salon, people are sanitising consistently, you know, their mask wearing, you know, their contact tracing. They, they have all of the policies and procedures in place that make it a very controlled and systematic environment. Yeah. Health and safety is our bread and butter. Pre-pandemic, you know, we really, you know, health and safety was a primary function of what we've done. We've just taken that to an extreme level. And when you look at other industries across or sorry, look at our industry across Europe. You know, in a lot of countries, you know, um, hairdressing, beauty, they've all been classed, personal agreement services have been classed as an essential service because it's not just about vanity. It's about mental well-being. It's about dignity. It's about respect. It's about that how people feel internally. And we deliver those services. And I think that's been lost. You know, we're all on Zoom. We're all on yeah. You it can't cut your hair on Zoom. <laughs> yeah, you, you can't. And people really do want us open. So yeah. we need to, and we will open in a controlled environment. But the point is, once we're open, it's what's next. And it's how we're supported. What we understand is that at some stage next week, probably the Friday or the Thursday before the May weekend, the May weekend is the weekend after next, after this one coming like. So we expect some kind of an announcement as to what's going to happen during the month of May. What are you hoping for in that announcement? So we would hope, hope that we will be open as soon as, as soon as possible. So the earliest the earliest date, we, we, would, we would hope. Um, like... It, it, we have to be open next next month, um, but I suppose bigger than that, op- like I, I suppose it's been well flagged that we that we are expected to open. So 
bigger than that, we feel, now, I don't know whether this will be, you know, even considered, but, you know, there does need to be consideration around those financial supports. Because if not, like, at the moment, our industry is shuttered, but the black market is booming. Absolutely booming. Quickly and and briefly on that one before I let you go, Mm. that has thrived. I'm just talking to people that I know who have mm. a connection to the industry and a beauty industry and whatever kind of stuff. It, it's thriving in back gardens and front rooms. Yeah. <sighs> so on on that, like I suppose what we're looking for is we're looking for various things, but we're also looking for a stay and spend. Um, so effectively a tax credit to attract customers back into the salons. You know, this has been offered to hospitality sector, but we would like it almost like as an incentive to get people out of the black market, to get people back into those legitimate salons and to incentivise our consumers. So we're looking at this from a twofold. Um, So we would, you know, we would see a say and spend type of scheme and a very valid and very reasonable expectation for our industry that will support us in the long term to get our industry back up on it. Something to encourage people to go back to the hairdresser rather than have the hairdresser come and do it in the backyard, which they are doing. Loads of it we hear from around town. Thanks, Margaret. Margaret O'Rourke Doherty from the Hair and Beauty Industry Confederation of Ireland. 1850-715-996. Bit of legislation to come before the doyle. I think, is it is it today, Mick Barry, you're going to bring this legislation forward? Good morning. Good morning to you, PJ. You're not going to be heading off to the European Super League then, no? Don't think so. Don't think so. No. Um, You are bringing forward what you're hoping would be nicknamed the the debitums bill. To to do what? To change uh, the law on liquidation uh, and to give workers a fair crack of the whip in liquidation. So the bill would change the law in two regards. So we're up against the clock here, so I'll make it very brief. Uh, First of all, uh, it would put workers to the head of the queue when it comes to payout from a liquidation pot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And second of all, it's it the tax and the banks now are the head of the queue these days. The revenue is uh, right up there at the top, and this would put workers ahead of them and say workers come first. Okay. And second of all, what it would do is it would say that where there was a collective uh, redundancy agreement in place. As the Davenham's workers, as you know, did have, where such an agreement is in place, if the company goes wallop, that agreement will be treated as an unpaid debt in the eyes of the law, and the liquidation would have to consider it as an unpaid debt. All right? So it doesn't solve all of the problems facing workers in a liquidation, but it tackles two of the big ones, and it would give workers a far better chance of justice. Uh, should they find themselves in a liquidation situation. And you're quite right. I mean, the technical name of this bill, the doll is a very legalistic place. The technical name of this bill is the Companies Protection of Employees' Rights in Liquidations Bill 2021. But I think and I hope it will become known as the Debenhams Bill because it's been inspired by the year-long struggle of the Debenhams world. There is one small problem, though, Mick, and you know this, even if you were to get it through the house, you can't apply it to the Debenhams workers because you can't apply the law retrospectively. Yes, that's 100% correct, and it's, it's extremely unfortunate. The Debenhams workers are aware of that, uh, and if you speak to them, I think what most of them will tell you is uh, we would have liked to have got our hands on our 2 plus 2, 
that would have been justice. But if we can't do that, then at the very least what we want is we want to see this change in the law so that it will be better for the next group of workers or for the next generation coming up. It will be a legacy from that struggle. We'll see where it goes. Um, Good luck with it when you bring it before the House. Thank you, Mick Mick Barry, uh, Deputy McBarry from Solidarity at Cork North Central. Even if he gets it through, he can do nothing for the Debenhams workers with it. But the idea is that the next set of workers who find themselves in that position would be well served under the law. 1850 On the subject of Leo and the, the Instagram, PJ, we all know it's Leo running the country. Michal Martin's only his puppy. Oh. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With dairy-made premium spread, 100% natural and made in Cork using West Cork cream. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 1850-715-996. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Actually, weather forecast for the next few days. I'm looking out at a gorgeous Wednesday morning over our beloved city. The view I have over here, I'll tell you something, you can charge for it. But the, the weather is just lovely out there. And it is set to be with us until pretty much Tuesday. Gorgeous day today, gorgeous day tomorrow. Nice weather Friday, just a touch of cloud same for Saturday, Sunday will be like today, Monday will be like today Tuesday, a bit more cloud and then this day week, Wednesday you have a 25% chance of rain but not a supper rain on the old Dark Sky app for at least the next 4 or 5 days which is good news in anybody's language. Good morning and thank you for this, whoever sent it in we should also say thanks to the army lads and the people from AOS Security down at all the vaccine stations. Very professional, ladies and gents, and they are a credit to the state. And thank you very much for mentioning that to us and giving us an opportunity to mention it to our listeners. 1850-715-996. I'm talking about this morning about things that grind your gears and really get you get you annoyed and, and just make you want to reach out and choke somebody. I guess there's nothing more annoying than wanting to book a ticket for a concert. Remember concerts? And hopefully we'll be able to go back to them soon. Or a match. And the event is a sellout. And it sells out in minutes or hours or whatever. Take something like, we'll say, Westlife down in Parky Cueve or the Rolling Stones in Crow Park or whatever. Or a big match, a European Championship match. They'll sell out in, in minutes. And then, a couple of hours later, the tickets appear again. And they are three times the price. And they are four times the price. And they are five times the price. And they are just ridiculous. Utterly and totally ridiculous. Do you remember the, the Garth Brooks concerts that never happened? Do you remember those ones? Like, there was tickets for those concerts going for seven and eight and nine hundred yo-yos. And people were quite prepared to take that and pocket the profits. Well, sporting and music fans are now to benefit from a fairer system because law has been passed to ban the touting 
and reselling of tickets. Uh, when he was a TD, Noel Rock was the man who stood up and said that this should be stopped. And he joins me now. Noel, good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. Thank you very much. You've really uh, set the scene nicely there. I have tried to. The only thing I would say at the start is, you know, a certain amount of buying and selling a ticket and a certain amount of supply and demand-based pricing is always going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, supply and demand will always exist to a certain extent. And I think what this law is trying to do is to curb the influence of people who seek to corner that market and artificially, if you like, manipulate supply and demand by buying multiple tickets in advance without ever having any intention of attending that concert or that match. So if we look at the data that we've been provided by uh, provided with by the, the ticketing companies themselves and public consultations, we can see that about 10% of the sellers on these online platforms are selling between 80 and 100% of the tickets. That is to say that about 10% of people selling on these platforms are basically the entire platform. And we know from, say, concerts in particular that have gone on sale before bigger concerts, that there are individuals scooping up tens of tickets and that more often than not, it's actually the case that 50% plus of tickets for a given concert have been scooped up by fewer than 10% of the people registering purchases. Can you not just stop that, Noel, by putting a cap on the number of tickets that anybody can buy? Well, there is, but they're devils, PJ. So what they do, in theory, there's a cap where it's maybe two or maybe four per person, per concert or per match. But what they do is they find workarounds, they have multiple credit cards, they have multiple email addresses, multiple names against them. So it's actually quite difficult for technology insofar as it exists to to, to curb that. And I suppose the thing about it, PJ, is this law isn't going to completely eliminate touting, right? Like any law, it doesn't completely eliminate anything. There are anti-speeding laws, speeding is still a thing. There are anti-drugs laws, drugs are still a thing. What it will do, though, is it'll curb the number of people who are involved in this. Because right now, and every time I do an interview about this, I know that people are listening and going, Jeepers, that sounds like an easy way to make five, eight, ten times the money I invest in it. Hmm. And it is. Um, you know, if you put a thousand euro in to a ticket, uh, or tickets rather, for a concert or a match that you know is going to sell out, uh, like a U2, uh, you're going to make five, eight, ten times the, what you put in in a matter of days. Let's make a very uh, simple comparison, a very small-time comparison. So the marquee, our beloved marquee here in Cork, holds about 4,000 people. And if I know that there's a big act coming to the marquee, and on the morning that it opens for sale, I can sit on and I can buy six, eight tickets, and then I can sell them on for five times the price that day and make a handy profit for myself. Now, what will be the penalty for doing that under this bill? So the penalty for doing it, like any law, it would vary uh, depending on the number of offences before and the amount that you've you've been purchasing there. But the fine is up to €100,000. Now, I know people will be listening and say, jeepers, €100,000, that sounds like a lot. That's the absolute maximum end of it. But you'd be looking at something, you know, commensurate with the amount of money that you've been attempting to charge people generally being levied as the fine. Uh, And it is just to say, PJ, that, you know, uh, to put it in the realm of illegality rather than something that maybe, you know, is legal presently, 
But most people, in fact, 91% of people, when we carried out professional opinion polling, say, you know, they don't like it and they want to see it stamped out. Real music fans, real sports fans, oh, yeah. don't want to see this. If something is 60 quid a ticket, you want to pay 60 quid. Maybe a handling charge, but that's it. You want to pay your 60 quid. Some people are paying 600, 700 to get to a match or a concert, which kind of says to the tout, well, I'll get the money anyway, no matter what I'm going to going Hang to on. charge. Yeah. So it's a manipulated type of supply and demand. And if you go back to your example of the marquee, PJ, like there's a way of getting advanced access to tickets before they go on sale. It might be that you're a customer of a particular utility company, an electricity company or a gas company. Or it might be that you're a customer of a particular mobile phone company. Yes. And they offer you advanced access. Pre-sale to tickets. Or in fact, exactly. many of the band websites, I'm thinking of one in particular, Robbie Williams, always has an advance sale on his tickets. So there might yeah. be a fifth of the concert. Like if you take Croke Park, there might be a fifth of Croke Park on sale to members of the, of the fan website. So that's where the touting starts. Bingo. And you, you too, and it's not to single anybody out, but you too is another example of a website and a fan club where you can join the fan club in advance and get advance access to the on-sale tickets. And, and the touts know all these tricks. You know, the professional touts know all these tricks. And they sort of corner that market you know, in places like the Marquis, for example, with only a capacity of 4,000, which is still, you know, big enough, uh, especially these days when you can only see one person at a time. 4,000 is a lot. But if they corner 500 tickets even, you know, that's more than 10% of the entire capacity of the Marquis. And suddenly that's a manipulation of the supply and demand there. So I'm not anti-supply and demand or anything like that, but I just recognise there are certain cases where people try and manipulate and distort that 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 needs to be stamped out. Now, something that um, we did notice a couple of years ago, and I'm going to be very careful not to name any platforms here, but shall we say one very well-known sales platform that pretty much every event would use. And then there was another one where two, two hours later, the vastly exorbitantly expanded prices turned up. It discovered that one hand held the other, shall we say. Mm-hmm. There was a connection between one platform and the other. How do you break that connection? And this is, I think, the frustration that is felt by many music and sports fans is when you can see or feel or perceive that sort of connection. And when you have an inkling, let's say, that there is a certain level of willingness around, uh, you know, these tickets going onto third-party platforms because, you know, to not go too deep into the economics of it what we know is these platforms are vastly more profitable than the initial uh, round of sales let's say for the ticketing companies so we know that let's say pj let's say for example you buy a u2 ticket for 100 euro and you want to sell it for a thousand euro the ticketing platform whatever platform you go on we won't name any names they will charge you the seller 12.5 percent, so 125 quid of that thousand euro to sell it and then if I want to buy that for a thousand quid, they'll also charge me, the buyer, a 12.5 on top of the thousand euro. So another 125 quid. So all told, the ticketing company, the third party reseller, has made 250 quid pure profit off a ticket that in the first place was only ever worth 100 euro. And you've made a thousand, or you've made 875 as well. So you've done okay. But the platforms themselves, they're actually making a killing also. And, you know, we can see in the valuation of these companies, these aren't lads on the corner outside Croke Park or outside, you know, the Aviva or Turner's Cross or whatever. These are multi-billion euro yeah. companies. 
who are making a killing off the back of real music fans and real sports fans. Is that guy going to be uh, covered by this bill? You know your man up at Jones's Road. Anyone buying or selling that <laughs> ticket? Is he covered? Uh, he, he, technically he is, yeah. Like, I mean, you know, it's anyone who's selling above face value, PJ, to be honest with you, but it's really the aim and the thrust of it is really at these professionalised online platforms. Like, the anyone buying or selling fellas outside Croke Park or Viva or whatever, uh, there, are, there aren't actually that many of them anymore, first of all. Um, you know, they've kind of been taken over by these online platforms. Um, so, like, I mean, you know, if they want to continue to sell at face value, they, they can certainly yeah. they can do that. So when's it all going to come in? So we're looking at, we're looking at May, the end of May. <clears throat> um, the, the kind of original push was to get it done in time for Euro 2020, which obviously COVID uh, hasn't happened uh, in 2020, but it is due to happen in June. Realistically, Dublin probably won't be hosting any of those games, is my understanding from reading the papers and what have you. But nevertheless, we want to be in a position where in the event that we are still hosting the games, that we have this legislation in place and enacted. Okay. All right, Noel, thanks for that. That's Noel Rock, former uh, TD. He was the man who originally brought this uh, to fruition um, along with Stephen Donnelly um, back in 2017. It provides for a ban on all the above-cost resale of event tickets and it's due to come in at uh, the end of May. It'll be called law. Whether it works or not, I suppose, like anything else, only time will tell. 1850-715-996. But the idea, definitely, definitely welcome. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With dairy-made premium spread, 100% natural and made in Cork using West Cork cream. Do you know the way we've been mentioning throughout the pandemic, since the very start, people who are on the front line working all the time, doing their job and just putting up with the situation. Just reminded there of another group of workers who have been there since the start, worked off their feet literally worked off their feet. And that's the lads who run the dump down there in Tremor Valley Park. They have not stopped working for one single day since all of this started. And what's lovely down there, I just this is just something that I often wanted to mention and never got an opportunity until I'm reminded now, the teddy bears, what they've done with the teddy bears and a bit of warm weather now and a bit of dry weather, the teddy bears will dry up and, and look as lovely as they do. The, as you drive in there towards the dump, there's literally hundreds of hundreds of teddy bears done in a little display and it's great. And the reason they're there is, one of the lads told me one day, there was a time when teddy bears that would go to the dump would be rescued by the workers and then they'd be taken away and cleaned and sterilised and all of that and given to, you know, kids in orphanages or, you know, poor kids and stuff like that. They can't do that anymore. The the health and safety man has put an end to that. So what they've done now is they make a little display and it's lovely and you just can't fail to smile when you go in there. And there's one character at the gate and look, it's good to get an opportunity to mention him. He's the fella in the peak cap. I don't know his name. I don't know where he's from. I don't know the first thing about him. But he's the lad in the peak cap that takes your 20 quid as you're going in with the car and he always has a joke and he always has a crack. At one stage he said to me I was going there so often they should give me my own skip. <laughs> ah, yeah. And they've been working right through the pandemic and they're worthy of a mention. 1857 Let me return to something we talked about on the programme before and that is 
Sunnyside Boxing Club. Their planning decision comes up in the next couple of days and we know that they're objecting to a plan to build houses on the site of their old club. Uh, they have been using the building at Straw Hall for years up off Gerald Griffin Street, but they've had to vacate it, abandon it, because it's it's in need of repairs. It's not fit for purpose at the moment. But there's a number of houses now due to be built, a developer, and it would mean they would be losing what they call their spiritual home. And they're fighting to keep it. And I've been speaking to a lifelong member and club official, Jim Corbett. Jim, I spoke on the programme previously about... Sunnyside and and the history of or the the, the story behind your concerns that you lose what you call your spiritual home. Now you've set up a petition to object formally to the development. Um, Well actually it's the residents actually set up the petition. They wouldn't have anything to do with the boxing club like where the objection they came in from. But like we are, we are there, and we're actually helping them with it. Hmm. But with that, um, there's about ninety odd percent of the residents in that total, in that locality actually have signed that petition. And the petition states that they don't want the club knocked, and they want no houses built there. Right. Now you'd admit that the the building is in a bad state. Yes, the building is in a bad state. It was there was actually a tree fell through the roof at one stage there, but. The, the walls are sound and the club, if they were to get the place, the plan was that they were going to take the roof off and put a sort of a, a, a lower roof on it. And there's a big area at the back where they're going to build on an extension there, but only a single ground a ground floor, like with a roof on that, a sloping roof. Hmm. There would be sufficient. There's a huge area in the back of it, like yes. where they could have toilets and they could have showers and they could have a place for the gallows as well because there's no gallows in this club. And it's one of the few clubs now in Ireland that doesn't have girls boxing with them. But they have no facilities yet to do that. But th- there's interest among girls to box out of Sunnyside, isn't there? Big time, yeah, big time. Now, there's lads getting turned away every day. They all want to know, is there any place, place to go? Can they join up? We can't anyone join because we have no place to take them. And the worst situation would be that it's ironic and dangerous that where we are using... The problem there is that during school times were okay, but when the schools are closed, we can't use the place. So if you're training for our championships or something, and next year all of a sudden the midterm break comes, like it doesn't, it doesn't sound right. Why? Why is that? Because the the hall already opens during school term. I see. I see. And then you see the other problem is like with a ring and everything. Like you need to be able to put a ring into a place where it can, it can be left up. There's a lot of working, and there's a lot of stuff that you. Be yeah. using it in a boxing club where, like, if you could let it out, it would make things much easier than to be shipping stuff around the very nice. Yeah. So this objection, this 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 petition, first of all, I I assume yeah. is is coupled up with a planning objection to what's proposed for the place. It is, yeah, yeah. You're willing to go to on board Planola, I think, if needs be. Well, the club had a meeting, and they will go to board Planola, and they will go for them that if they have to legally. Mm. They're not going to stop here like, because this is a place that was given to the locals here by the people and there's no talk about providing anything for the kids. Now, we're only 100 metres from the top of Shannon Street and we all know there's an awful lot of different nationalities living around that area. They, they, they could all avail of that, that, that club which was just down the road from 
but they've got nothing. It's a very deprived area all around that area there yeah. when it comes to sports. And we've talked on the programme in recent weeks about the importance uh, of the small boxing clubs, of which there used to be many, many of them in Cork one time. There's only a few like Sunnyside left. I would put the question to you, though, because I think others would. It's just bricks and mortar. C- could you not operate the club out of somewhere else nearby? Well, first of all, you're talking about working the club out somewhere else. If you're going to rent the places, I have to get places to rent. The rent can be huge, right? When this place here was a boxing club and it was given to the people and it was used by Sunnyside like for 25 years, like nobody used that club after Sunnyside leaving. You know what I mean? There was no, and for years and years prior to Sunnyside leaving, nobody used that place. So, like, it's flat ground to be very easy for four walls at the back there and a roof. Make a, make a big place at the back for training purposes and all that sort of thing. And to put your ring. And the front part of the building would be used in meeting homes and you can do showers and things there if they wish. Like. But they, you have this space, like, it's a, a building space for it. And it wouldn't cost much because, you, as I say, you have walls there already. Would it cost you more to move than to develop it, shall um, say? It wouldn't cost that much to develop because all the services are there, you see. Right. Like, where everything is there and you're know, walking on a flat ground and it's very easy to put down a foundation for, for an extension at the back. Mm. And like, there is kept in the club right now. We didn't get to do a lot of stuff voluntary there as well. I got gotcha. You were saying to me as well, and I, I think people will get this, it's it's the spiritual home of Sunnyside and, and the club has massive history. Oh, the club has a massive history going back. Like, like there's Olympians, there was five Olympians. Like, numerous boxers, they are boxing world championships now, I think. And as I say, there's an excess of 140 Irish champions. Like, where would you find that? Mm. And like the people there, the surround are kind of, a lot of people that's there now, can you remember the boxing was there? And they'd love to see it again, like. Yeah. Because they know it's a very disciplined sport, so forth. And they know that there's going to be no chaos for no front of the doors or anything. That these are all lads who will be walking to the area where they're from within a half mile of the locality. Right. So what happens now? The petition has been connected. You plan to lodge the objection. What happens next? Oh, it's lodged. The, the objection is lodged and the petition has been lodged with us. So I think it's the 25th of April, I think, is the date set for the decision on the planning. Right. Do you get an, an opportunity then to put your case? No, we have a case put to them like, in writing, like the situation of it. But um, they don't know that it would be, you could put a case into both an order after. And are you willing to do that? Oh, yeah, and we're willing to get a judicial review as well if it needs to be good at. It's one we'll watch over the, the coming months, Jim, oh, yeah. with interest. And, yeah. and thank you for talking to me today. Thanks very much, Peter. That's Jim Corbett from Sunnyside Boxing Club. I think he means the 26th, 25th is Sunday. So probably Monday's 26th is when the decision will be made by the council. <clears throat> I'm sure it's one that we will return to. 1850-715-996. I want to go from Sunnyside Boxing Club to... One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's, a, it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, 
you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at UH1.com. That's UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Balancholic, where if you live in Balancholic, you'll have seen a tag, a street artist's tag. Seno, S-E-N-O. On this occasion, nothing to do with special needs. We've talked about Senos, I know how many times. But this is S-E-N-O. It's on walls. It's on signs. It's on electric boxes. It's on litter bins. We don't know who Seno is, nor where they come from, or what they're about. But Tony Butler's with Balancholic Tidy Towns. And Tony, you're a bit annoyed with it. Good morning. Tom Butler, beg your pardon. <laughs> yeah, all right. Yeah, well, I, look, um, I suppose we went a different way about this, uh, PJ, in the sense that um, we're appealing to the person's better nature. Um, we, Balancholic is a gold medal town in the National City Towns, and we've been we've been very fortunate over the years that um, if there was any small bit of tagging done, we cleaned it off very quickly. But this has become quite quite. Um, vast and it's coming out in a lot of places and it seems to be appearing more and more and I suppose for us it's, it's very disappointing um, because first of all it defaces the place and graffiti and you know it's uh, some people call it uh, as art and I, we don't have an issue with it in, in the proper locations but when you do have it on signs on on litter bins on electrical, electrical boxes and you know it's the time it takes to remove it is what the problem is. Now, how and do you get it off, say, an electric bin? It's been put on with spray paint. It has. I actually, I was, I was dealing with one sign on Sunday morning, which is the welcome to Balancholic sign, and the back of it was destroyed. And we have, we had to get uh, advice on the the chemicals that we would remove to, to use to remove it. So you have to spray it on, leave it work, do its business, take it off, and spray it on. It took an hour and a half to get it off one sign on. On Saturday, on Sunday morning, and is it just the Balancholic village and surrounding area that this Seno guy is tagging, or is it around the place? Have you seen it elsewhere? I, I have seen it elsewhere. I have seen it in other in other locations, but for like I suppose we're in our own area. Our volunteers are out the whole time, and we're, we're becoming more aware of it. And you know, as you drive through, you see a new tag up or whatever. And all we're asking, you know, is that this person, um, whoever it is. Like they, they they've done some stuff, some bits of of it with Cino on it, and it's it's quite artistic. Mm. But there is a time and a place for everything, and I think you know litter bins, etc. It's it's not what we want to, what we want to see in Balancholic. It's not what we're used to, 
and we don't want it around the place. And we're just asking the person to bear this in mind. And, you know, it's a case of, uh, you know, the effort it takes us to, to get rid of it and and what and the, the, the facing the facing of a main street or or an area that's all we're saying to the person okay. just to think okay all right tom thanks very much tom butler from balancolic tidy towns asking using the opinion line on 96 fm as a platform to ask whoever seno or seno is s e n o to please desist from putting your tag around the posters or the litter bins or the electric boxes or the walls or the signs around Balancholic. Please desist. That's all they're asking. We don't know who you are, where you're from, what you mean, whether Seno stands for something or whether it's a signature, whether it's a name, it's just a tag. And to be honest, as Tony said, it actually is quite artistic. But they don't want it anymore. So would you please, if you are Seno or Sino, or you know who Seno or Sino is, you just ask him to find somewhere else to spray their tags on behalf of the Balancholic Tidy Towns people. Thank you very much. And if Seno or Sino is listening, 1850 maybe tell us who you are and why you're doing it. I think I've probably a better chance of winning the Euro Millions two weeks in a row than Sino or Seno actually picking up the phone, but sure, the invitation is there. Thank you. 1850 996. The man at the dump who takes the money is the nicest man ever. He's a lovely, happy man. You're dead right. He always has a joke to share. Fair play to all the work that they're doing down there. We now understand his name is Finbar. Uh, he. How are you, kid? Always greets me. To say, How are you, kid? Usual, is it? Usual. Yeah, that's how it goes. And he has a cap on him. And the coldest wettest, dullest morning where the cold would go through your bones. How are you, kid? Yeah. 1850-715-996. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With dairy-made premium spread, 100% natural and made in Cork using West Cork cream. Access all areas on Cork's 96FM. Your guide to nightlife on the side. Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Cork's entertainment. Sirius Arts Centre in Cove is inaugurating a series of virtual residencies with the Dublin-based Irish writer Bridget O'Dea. Sirius is commissioning her to produce a group of pieces in the form of prose and poetry and you can keep up with developments on OD's residency at SiriusArtsCentre.ie. Access all areas. This coming summer's Live at the Marquee shows have been rescheduled to take place during summer 2022. Some of the shows moved include Sinead O'Connor, Dead Mouse, The Two Johnnies, The Coronas and Orbital. You'll find more information on the rescheduled shows at Aiken Promotion's social media channels. Access all areas. Feel free to let us know at Access All Areas if you have a rescheduled show coming up or any live streamed events by emailing us here at aaa at 96fm.ie. Access all areas. Your Tonight, on Cork's 96FM. caller says, I think the area could do with more facilities. It would be a shame to lose it. Perhaps we could use it as a centre for other activities too. It badly needs that. I know we need houses, but it's no use living in a boring place that just attracts trouble. And in concerts and this new legislation, we're talking to Noel Rock about the new law just passed, hoping to be law itself officially, like signed by the President by about the end of May. Frank says if online tickets are got abroad and then sold online into Ireland, 
Is the law enforceable against them? Good question, Frank. I'm sure we'll, we'll find out. Rachel says, pre-sale tickets don't give you much of a choice if it's seated event. From my experience, usual crap seats offered in pre-sale. I've only ever bought pre-sale tickets once, Rachel, possibly for an artist you've never heard of, an, an electric artist, electronic music artist from the 80s called Jean-Michel Jarre who appeared at the Three Arena a couple of years ago and I bought the tickets pre-sale from his website and I got the best seats in the Three Arena. So, and it wasn't just me and four more there before any smart arse says No, it wasn't. But I know what you mean. Sometimes you just get the rubbish. But, yeah, they're the ones that get touted, though, and people buy them and then they realise, oh, God, these aren't the best seats in the house at all. Bernie wants to know, what's the story on the Westlife concert in August is it's still going ahead. Well, as you'll know, Westlife were to do two massive concerts in Parky Cueve last August. Was it one or two? Definitely one, I think two. Massive concerts last August in Parky Cueve. I was actually looking forward to going because my daughter wants to go to, to a Westlife gig and, and I'd love to go just to see what the fun is, the fuss is about because by all accounts, they give an astonishing show. And when they were at the marquee years ago I was unlucky enough to miss it but I would love to see just what it's all about and my daughter's a big fan so we said we'd go but anyway uh, it was originally due to go ahead as I said last August it has been rescheduled to this August pandemic permitting Uh, there's no notion yet as to whether it'll go ahead or not but the date is still in the diary I mentioned at the top of the programme this morning we're getting to the point I think now where everything that normally annoys us is just driving us mad altogether now. You know, the normal little things that your partner does around the house during the day, like, you know, leaving the toilet seat up. No person there couldn't give a hoot about that. But but leaving leaving the, the sink, well, this happens in my house. No one fills it, but it happens. Leaving the sink full of dishes. I cannot go to bed at night. I don't know about you. We changed our kitchen in 2018 and it's it's all white now, white and grey, and everything shows up. So I can't go to bed at night without cleaning the kitchen. Now, maybe on a Friday when I've had a few G&Ts, yes, I can. <laughs> but on a normal night, and I, you find me in the kitchen at maybe half 11 quarter, clean the kitchen. Because it just... And the more... It annoys me more than most things now... Um, Susanna Serratus, good morning to you. Good morning, TJ. How are you? Good. So you've written about this in your in your blog that the little things that just normally irk us a bit are driving us crazy, and maybe it is pandemic linked. Absolutely, PJ. But there is a reason for it. Now, on a physical level, stress creates heat in our body. We're familiar with the phrase "I'm hot and bothered." Yeah. Well, on a psychological level, this heat can turn into fiery emotions like irritation, agitation, annoyance, lack of patience. So this pandemic is causing us to feel a cocktail of emotions that perhaps we've never felt before altogether. So think of it like a pressure cooker. We have fear, uncertainty, stress, anxiety, all trapped inside of us, and it needs to be released. Mm. Uh, Pre-pandemic, this happened by default or on autopilot. We'd leave our home, go into work, a change of scenery physically helped change our emotions. We'd go to the gym or play some sport, blow off some steam there. 
vent to a colleague, get annoyed at someone in traffic who just overtook us. You get the gist. Yeah. There are all ways that help us get rid of these stored negative energy. But and now, for sorry, go on. No, why is it the small stuff though? Like we try, it's a good way to live your life. Don't sweat the don't sweat the small stuff. But why is it that we're sweating the small stuff more than the important stuff? Because now, for the first time, we need to look at our emotions on a very conscious level. It's not happening on automatic. So the emotions are stacking up. They're stacking up one on top of the other, on top of the other, on top of the other. We're we're in the same place with the same people that we just lose our patience. So we really need to start learning how to control our emotions or our emotions will actually start controlling us. Yeah. You mentioned in the blog those annoying ads on TV. Now, you mentioned insurance ads, but ads in general. i tell you a funny story. I was watching uh, something on the media, Virgin Media Player last week, and whether you know it or not, they, they break the programmes with an ad break. And I thought, if I saw the ad for the bloody Dyson Who for one more time, I was going to put my <laughs> foot through the screen. <laughs> TT, I actually bought one. (laughs) (laughs) I actually bought one and it has transformed my life. It's all about making life easy. Yeah, yeah. Or or the crowd from from Aldi, you know, who who saved 429 euro. I mean, were they having fillet steak and champagne for dinner? (laughs) (laughs) You know, you're looking at the ads and you're going, oh no, it's not... The things that shouldn't bother you are bothering us, and it's it's down to this. You call it pandemic irritation. It is. It's pandemic irritation. I actually did a poll there on Instagram, and over eighty-eight percent of people are feeling it. It's just a collective emotion that we're all feeling. We're we're not used to being in confined spaces with small bubbles of people. We're used to having our freedom, getting out of advice, and that's really when we vent or repressed energy and we really need to start knowing how to regulate our emotions and it's a skill and it can be learned yeah that's the good news you find yourself saying to those around you at least once a week take no notice of me i'm like a divan i'm 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 like a devil over nothing (laughs) isn't that right yeah yeah well we're all feeling the same so when you say that to someone they're going to understand as well they're going to have huge amount of empathy and compassion there. Yeah. And it's the little things that people do. Like I, I demonstrated this this morning and, and, I, and I'll do it again. Like, this is of minor annoyance to most people, but watch this. That, right? Oh, the idea did. of speaking through a mouthful of apple. I want oh, yeah. to reach into your mouth and pull the apple oh, out yeah. of your throat. Or, or if someone is chewing with their mouth open. Oh, that! Oh, yeah. Oh. oh, God, yeah. You can see it all being moved around. Oh. It's, it's like watching a dishwasher or a, or a, or a tumble really dryer. Gets, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But look, uh, PJ, if we have a good quality sleep, if we eat wholesome foods, if we exercise, these are all ways that we can actually regulate our emotions. So when someone does that, you won't get as annoyed. You probably still will get annoyed, but mm. not as annoyed. Is it a good idea to remind ourselves uh, every so often to just take it easy and don't be overreacting to things that don't deserve an overreaction? Absolutely, PJ. And I think that's one of the benefits 
not that there are many, but that's one of the benefits of this pandemic because it's helping us realise what is important. Don't sweat the, the, the little stuff, the big stuff where... It's all about really practicing the art of being gentle with ourselves and kind to each other. Mm. You you talk about taking a minute to literally calm down before combusting. Draw one more breath. Yeah, yeah. Because it's about being proactive rather than reactive. It's so easy for us to just jump at something. But if we take a moment to breathe, we'll actually realise this isn't as big an issue as it as it is, as it has been in the past. So think of it like the Big Brother house. You know how in the Big Brother house, they all live in the same confined space and they find that, oh my God, a week there is a year. Yeah. That's how we're kind of, you know, we're like in a Big Brother bubble. Yeah. Yeah. And you find yourself in the walk, you've heard a noise in the kitchen and in the walk down the stairs to discover what the hell is going on Breathe. Breathe. Just take a moment to breathe before you react. Because the reaction causes more stress than the initial irritation ever did. Yeah, because when you react, you're putting out this negative energy towards the other person and they feel it and then they react back. And then when they react back, it turns into a tennis match. <laughs> then you go back, you go back, and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah. You talk about just- writing a happy list. Now, I've said to my listeners many times, Susanna, in the last year, if it wasn't for music, I would be gone demented. There's a, at least an hour a day, every day, where I just put on a playlist And I don't want to know about news. I don't want to know about pandemic. I don't even want to know about the weather. I just want my music for an hour every day. Yeah, you talk about a happy. And do you dance? No, God, no, no, I couldn't. No, no, I just go. I go around doing. I might. I might be doing something around the around the house. I might be cleaning the kitchen, or you know, I might be doing a small little bit of DIY or something. But I have the music on. I want nothing else but my music. Really, really helps. That's a really good tip. Yeah. Listening to music. And if you're up for it, do some dancing as well because your body actually stores the memories of emotions. Yes. So by moving, you actually vent off some energy. Yes. What's on a happy list? Give me five things on a happy list. So happy list. It can be as simple as making a cup of tea with a piece of dark chocolate. <sighs> Reading your favourite book by the window, especially on a sunny day. Yes. You know when the sun shines, yeah, on a Reading sunny day. by sunlight so, is much nicer than reading by artificial light. Oh, it's just so nice. Yeah. Yeah. That so is it can be really simple things. It doesn't have to be majorly extravagant things. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, but it's just about being aware, you know, lighting a candle, a scented candle, having a bath. Yeah, yeah. Just How about you? What are some of the things on your happy list? Well, as I said, the music. Um, and yeah. I love sunshine. I love the evening sunshine. And I, I love the days when I can go out with a little deck just outside the back door and I can go out and sit out there in the afternoon and just chill out in the afternoon sun. And that is, that's worth anything. Oh, gorgeous. You know? Gorgeous. Just, it really is the simple things. Oh, yeah. The, t- the, small, the small things. And I can take on the world again then after that half an hour. Yeah. But if I don't get it, 
I'll be crawling the walls. Exactly. Exactly. So, so do what it's do what makes moment. you happy at least once a day. Yeah, and you know what I find, PJ, is that a lot of people don't realise what makes them happy. They're not familiar with it. They've never sat down and thought about it. Because they haven't given themselves the time. They haven't given themselves the time. And once you know, once you sit down and think about it or start paying attention to little things you're doing throughout the day that make you happy, you can actually incorporate them into your day and do them more often. Which is a great way to finish. Thank you very much. Susanna Serradas is a mind care coach. Just the little things that can ruin your day. Don't let them draw breath. There's a thing we might do for our last hour. Just get on to me by text or WhatsApp. Wait, three, three ninety six, ninety six, ninety six. Feel if if you feel like popping in a voice note, do on the WhatsApp. Give me three things, just three things on your happy list. So for me, say it's music, sunshine, coffee. So let's pick those. Music, sunshine, coffee. Three things on your happy list. Or something I want to do this weekend. I want to cut my grass. So those little things. Give me a happy list on WhatsApp. Three things that make you happy. And then resolve, like Susanna said, resolve to do at least one of them every day. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Dairy Made Premium Spread, 100% natural and made in Cork using West Cork Cream. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 1850 715 996. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 996. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Oh, a whole bunch of happy lists coming in on 083 396 96 96. Following uh, my conversation at the end of the last hour with Susanna Sarandis, who is a mind care coach, and she says, have a happy list and return to it as often as you can, at least once a day, just something on your happy list once every day. Loads of them coming in. I'll read them in a while. 083 396 96 96. Something that's not, definitely not on the happy list. Some news coming in. Adrian Weckler, the tech man from Independent Irish Independent, has tweeted that Carphone Warehouse... Carphone Warehouse is closing its Irish business. 69 standalone stores and 12 stores within a store, the little stalls you see, are to close. The company says it's a necessary step. So that's 69 and 12. That's 81 businesses closing. 81 businesses closing Carphone Warehouse. Adrian says that's about 486 people likely to be made redundant. He's also put on his Twitter a list of Q&As for customers. That's bad news. Very, 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 very bad news. Um, Careful Warehouse closing its business in Ireland. Uh, it's not just him, it's many others are saying it, but it has been confirmed this morning. 1850-715-996. The happy lists will be very important to coping with with something like that. But a caller wants to ask a question. I want to attend the vaccine centre by taxi without using a wheelchair, but then you get the use of one inside, like the hospitals let you. Oh, yeah, you want to get a taxi there, make your own way 
but then you want to be able to get a wheel. Yeah, I think I think that they have a wheelchair ready if anybody needs it. It would be wrong of them if they didn't. So you would hope that somewhere like the City Hall Centre or the Parky Cueve Centre would have a wheelchair or one or two wheelchairs ready to help people in whose mobility wouldn't be great because you have to stand in a queue, so that wouldn't be the most comfortable either. Does anybody know? Has anybody come across that already? Uh, do we have... Can you get a use of a wheelchair at any of our vaccination centres, if anybody knows? If you've seen one or you've used one or or someone's been very helpful to you with one at any of the vaccination centres. Let us know if you would, please. 1850-715-996. And Marty says, my wife is in the queue in the City Hall, a 9.45 appointment, but people were complaining because some of them were standing for well over an hour. Well, if your mobility is difficult, uh, you'll certainly need some kind of relief than while be standing for well over an hour. So you'd hope at least there were some seats for people uh, or that if someone needs help that they would be able to access a wheelchair. Certainly. If anyone knows, do give us a call at 1850-715-996. I'm very privileged to be involved in an event this evening online as part of the Cork World Book Fest. I'll tell you about that in a while. Uh, the, the Book Fest is running this week, running until Sunday, and it's about books and um, the joy of books, the joy of writing, the joy of reading, the sheer joy of a, of a good old-fashioned book. And it's because it's online, it's entirely online. Some of the events are international. It's so much easier to have an international event these days. One of the advantages of, of our pandemic and what it's done to us is we can have international events now just literally on the television rather than having someone to fly in from the four corners of the world. I wonder will that ever change. But um, Maureen O'Driscoll has the swirlandthread.com book blog and she's part of the festival. Maureen, good morning. Hi PJ, how are you? Good. Now, I'm going to have to correct one thing there. I'm actually Maureen Hearn. O'Driscoll is my maiden name and my husband is listening in. I so beg I'm that one. <laughs> I beg your pardon. <laughs> I beg your pardon. All right, all right. So you do swirl and thread. What does it mean? Well, about five years ago, PJ, I wanted to do something new with regard to technology. I felt that I was losing out, I was missing out, and I was a bit out of date. So I met up with my brother, who is a local tech head, and we came up with the idea that I would do a blog. At the time, I didn't really know what to put into the blog. Um, I was doing a sewing class over in Ashton. So I started off doing a little bit about sewing and my journey, mm. but discovered I really didn't have enough to say about sewing. And I had a serious passion for reading. Mm. So I decided I would try a few book reviews. And that's where it started. And I, I kind of, the name Swirl and Thread, I was using the swirl of words, you know, with the thread of the story kind of thing. I tried to tie it in with it. Mm. Very so poetic. It is, isn't it? <laughs> so I decided at that point I would go with the book reviews. And to be honest with you, the book took over completely from the sign. Now, you're an, uh, obviously to, to write a book blog, you, you'd have to be an avid reader. What kind of stuff do you read? I love historical fiction, contemporary, thrillers, a bit of crime. Um, I would read a few memoirs. Um, I don't read uh, sci-fi. I don't read horror. I read the occasional YA book. But my passion really would be historical fiction and some of the contemporary stuff. Yeah, the contemporary... Historical fiction, I, I, I've never quite been able to get my head around it. I like, I like reading stuff set in a more modern time. Okay. 
yeah. I can identify. But historical fiction is great because this is stuff written back in the 13th, 14th century. So you have to make up your own picture of what it was like. Well, I think a lot of... I was reading one recently now and what the writer did is because he couldn't travel during the pandemic, so they used... He used within his own area and within France to kind of delve back into what happened in the past and he used Google Maps. You know, it's what some of them have been using because the inability to travel, obviously, at the moment. But I do like kind of the 1920s, you know, the Hemingway, yeah. that kind of time, the last generation. I just think it's a fascinating time in that period of history. I read a good one recently, actually, um, Sam Blake, The Dark Room, an Irish author. Yeah. And it was a kind of a, a, an interesting book in that part of it took place 30 years ago, 40 years ago. Very and Agatha Christie. If you know yes. Sam Blake, she's asked she's great writer. Oh my lord, she loves she loves Agatha Christie. And it's actually Sam Blake author her is Vanessa Fox Lofton, as you would know her her actual name. Mm. It's Vanessa was kind of I suppose very involved, which was a turning point in my my uh, book blogging. Really? Um, yeah, Vanessa came across one of my reviews some time back and asked, would I be happy enough to forward on my reviews to her site, writing.ie? Fabulous. So, yeah, so I met her at a launch in what, one of the Waterstones launches that John Breen does. Inside yes, the town. Uh, John Well, John's an old friend yeah. of from John college, believe it or not. Oh, did he? Yeah. <laughs> the, um, well, uh, Vanessa asked for their review few books. It was, uh, I think it was Catherine Ryan Howard's book we were at her book. Oh, launch. another fabulous writer. Yeah, distress signals it was at the time. So um, Vanessa brought, brought on a load of books, a load of proof arcs, as they're called, advanced reading copies, and asked what I read for her site. So that really kicked it off for me then, mm. and uh, through that I got an awful lot of contacts. You um, mentioned that, that you know, Sam Blake's real name is, is, is Vanessa. I, I read a piece, and I was surprised at it, and I'll tell you why. I read a piece where, where she said she wrote under the name Sam because it's a neutral name because she felt that people wouldn't pick up a book written by a woman. And I thought, I love books, particularly the kind of books that she writes written by women. Irish women are writing some of the best fiction in the world. At the moment, there is. I was looking earlier on, and I was trying to think. You know, if you'd asked for names, what names? And there's just a huge list of Irish. And I've been very lucky. Patricia okay, Gibney. I've managed, I've managed. Yeah, Patricia Gibney. There's obviously Sam Blake, Catherine Ryan Howard. Louise O'Neill. At the local level, we have Louise O'Neill. We've Catherine Kerwin. We um, really are punching well above our weight in terms of of good fiction. We are, and have you read? I mean, there's one now. I don't know whether you're familiar with it or not, PJ. But it's while nobody's watching by a local writer, Michelle Dunn. I'm waiting to read it. I spoke to Michelle a few weeks ago. Yeah. And, and I'd only read a little bit of it, and it's put aside now for, for a sunny afternoon. Well, I tell you now, PJ, it's really, really, really good. And it's being launched in the US on the yes. 4th of May. And as Netflix far as are interested, aware, I think, or someone of the yes. television. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's been optioned. Well, there's talk of it being optioned anyway, you know. So she's definitely one to watch. And I, I think the character she's written and her own experiences or been involved, you know, in the Lebanon and that. It's very authentic, very yes. real. Yes. And Catherine, Catherine Ryan Howard, you mentioned, um, like, she just gets better with every book. I know she's a new one coming out now, um, very shortly. I've read all her books to date, really. She's lovely. I've met her on numerous occasions. So. She's been on with me. Pretty much when every book comes out, she's been on with me. I, I, one I like about her, and again, maybe you've written about some of his books, uh, my favourite writer in all of the world is Harlan Coben. And she writes so like Harlan Coben. It's like an Irish Harlan Coben. It's so funny. Right. I have, I have to admit now I haven't read his books in a long time. Yeah. Well, I tell you now, 
There's a one. There's one for you. The Harlan Coburn book, the, Myron, the people who read them will know, the Myron Bolitar series. It's a series okay. of 10 or 11 books. And Harlan Coburn, is, this is like two people having a chat over a drink, which is what a book week should be all about, right? Um, Harlan Coburn writes about a series of characters over a certain number of books and his ability to trick you and lead you down a path and then go, what the hell? The very last page of the very last book, I put it down and I went, oh my God. I think you had what we'd call a book hangover. Oh yeah. <laughs> I want the next one and I want it now. <laughs> I know. And it is, and a lot of, there's a lot of series like that. I mean, I, I read um, some Nordic noir books as well. There is an independent publisher in the UK, Orenda Books. Yes. Do, they do some incredible um the noir it could be German noir it's, yeah. a, it's like the Nordic noir the Scandinavian it, stuff is really popular Scandinavian stuff is really yeah it is really 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 good and Scottish there's some fabulous Scottish crime fiction yes uh, James Oswald Helen Fields they are just amazing and of course uh, Jane Casey McDermott the Al McDermott yeah Al McDermott yeah great yeah. writer there yeah. are yeah I mean there's an endless list of in, in the crime fiction and then outside of that we have, don't forget, um, Daniel McLaughlin's book, which is coming up as the one city, you know, the Cork, the one book, yes. one city. Yes. yes. Yes, which is stunning. And I presume you've read Ty Coakley's. Yes, it? fabulous book. Yeah. Fabulous book. We're spoiled for choice, really. People. We really are. We absolutely are. Now, you have an event coming up. Is it Sunday? Sunday. Uh, Fiction at Friary are involved with the festival for the first year. So it's hosted by Daniel McLaughlin and Madeline Darcy. And what they're doing is they're chatting to myself and to other bloggers, uh, to Cork bloggers. One, Noelle Kelly Trindles, who mm. lives in Cork and works in Cork. And then Emma McAvoy, who's originally from Cork, but she lives in the UK. She's a teacher in the UK. Mm. Here's something came up in a previous conversation on the programme this morning. I wonder what you think of it. When I read, and I love to read, I prefer to read in daylight than in artificial light. I got glasses recently, yeah. Peter, yeah. <laughs> which have changed my life in the sense that you can see, you can see the book. Yeah, it's making it easier to read. But I'm finding in one sense I'm reading less because I carry a book with me everywhere. Yes. And I have to take out the glasses and put away the glasses and take out the glasses and it's a bit of an ordeal. Yeah. So I need to get used to that. Are you but a carrier I, of real books or have you ever yes. gone towards a Kindle or any one of those? I have both. I have to have the Kindle um, because I get sent advanced copies and you, they can't always give you hard copies so you get digital proof. But I do personally prefer a hard copy. I find it a much more enjoyable reading experience and I find I get so much more out of the book. But what I have started doing recently is uh, audiobooks. Yes. Via Cork City Libraries app BorrowBox. I don't know if you're familiar with I'm it. I'm not familiar. Tell me more. PJ, it's fabulous for all your listeners. Um, you just need a Cork City Library card, membership right. card, membership right. number, you download this app called BorrowBox and through that you put in your uh, membership number and then you have access to a huge collection of audiobooks and ebooks. Fantastic. I must now, try that. Do what I've, I do a bit of running so I was finding when I go on a longer run the, the, read, the music was getting a bit kind of doof doof, you know, it was just a bit of noise in my head. So I switched to audiobooks Right. Um, at the moment, our lack of culture, and we can't go to you know plays, we can't go to theatre. Mm. I listened to Kevin Barry. Sure, that was like being at a play. Um, I listened to uh, Great Gatsby audio again, mm. like being at a play. And another brilliant one was the Midnight Library. Fabulous. Have you read Gareth O'Callaghan's book? I haven't. I know you're you're involved in that. This I, I am. And uh, Gareth did the audio book. He, he read it himself. 
Yeah, see if you can get the. Oh, man. I, I, yeah, I'm in the queue for Gabriel Byrne's book because he does that himself. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, good luck with your own event and with everything connected to uh, Cork World Book Fest. That's Moiraid Hearn. Uh, thank you very much, Moiraid. Uh, sorry about the name mistake at the start. Actually, that event this evening, thank you, Moiraid. And I think tickets are available on Eventbrite. Um, the Secret Life of Book Bloggers, that is Moiraid's one, on uh, Sunday. The one I'm involved in this evening is called The Power of Memoir. You'll find uh, a way to register for it on their on their website, the book fest, it's I'll be speaking with Gareth O'Callaghan, the aforementioned, and with Trish Carney. Uh, Trish wrote her recent memoir, Above Water, which uh, we talked to Trish about it on the program. It's about her her decades of abuse um, at the hands of George Gibney, the the swimming coach, and she wrote about that. And of course, Gareth has written in his his own uh, memoir. And I'll be chatting with the two of them this evening about the power and importance of getting one's memoir down on paper. That's where part of Cork World Book Fest online at five o'clock this evening. Yes, we've got some answers to the wheelchair question. Deirdre says, yes, they have wheelchairs. My husband used one in the city hall. Very helpful. Offered to push you in the chair, but my daughter was able to do that. So plenty of help, yes. Dennis says, they, yes, they have them in the Parky Cueve and in CIT. Another one, yes, city hall two weeks ago. The army are helping people with the wheelchairs. And more messages coming in. Yes, they have wheelchairs. My dad got his two knees done. He wouldn't be able to stand in a queue. So I told him to go up to the start of the queue to tell them, Within five minutes, a wheelchair was organised. He was wheeled inside and got his vaccines. The queues are taking a while, though. But people aren't going by appointment. You're given a time and you could be waiting an hour or two. There is a problem that needs to be sorted. Some people walked out because they were there so long yesterday. Uh, Hi, PJ. They definitely have wheelchairs available for people in need in the City Hall. The AOS security are there to help with it. So there's the answer to the question. There are uh, wheelchairs available at the vaccination centres. I have a lovely list of happy stuff coming in and I'll read some of them before we get finished today. If you have one to share, uh, 083 Just an idea that we came up with with Susanna, our mind coach, before the 11 o'clock. Have a happy list and try to do something on that list every single day. Loads of them. Viv was on from Madrid with hers. Bear was on. Maeve, Pat, Jan. I'll get to them before we finish. 1850-715-996. There is something you must never do. If you have a friend or a relative, or a workmate who has a stutter. There is one thing you must never do. We have all, I think, done it. I know I have. I've certainly done it. And it comes from a place of kindness. But as I've been discovering, chatting to my next guest, they don't see it that way. They know you're trying to be kind, but you're actually not helping. What do you think it is? We'll find out next. 1850 715996. Can we just talk? The opinion line on Cork's 96 FM. With Dairy Made Premium Spread. 100% natural and made in Cork using West Cork Cream. The drama is sensational. That's 
And it's all right here. Grealish for seven! Join me, Trevor Welch, on 96fm.ie for the Premier League Live online, powered by TalkSport. Go, go. Join us Saturdays as we bring you pre-match analysis with some of the biggest names in the game. Live commentary, exclusive interviews, and don't miss the post-match breakdowns. Go, go. The Premier League Live Online. With now, only pay for the games that matter to you. Your sport on your terms. With now. Listen every Saturday on the Cork's 96FM app or see 96FM.ie. Get ready, because Cork is about to be brought to life with song. Cork's 96FM brings you the first ever online edition of the Cork International Choral Festival. This April 28th to May 2nd on CorkChoral.ie. Enjoy choirs from Ireland, Europe and beyond. This year, four specially curated gala concerts will be staged online, which you can enjoy from the comfort of your own home. For details of workshops, concerts and more, see corkchoral.ie. There's something for absolutely everyone at the online edition of the Cork International Choral Festival, April 28th to May 2nd. With Cork's 96FM. We got an email to 96FM from a woman called Sandra Kelly who says she's in her 30s and she's challenged with a stutter and is trying to raise awareness about stuttering and about how people who stutter are treated in society. And she tells in the email of being laughed at in shops and restaurants when she's struggling to get words out and how people hang up the phone instead of just waiting for her to speak. And she thinks and feels that stammering should be dealt with as a disability. She wants to do some radio interviews about it to illustrate the problem and to highlight it. So we're very happy to speak with Sandra Kelly yesterday. Sandra, you're doing a series of interviews like this, which is very courageous of someone who who has lived with a, a stammer for as long as you have to be doing that. Can I ask you why you've chosen to do that? Hi, PJ. Yeah, like, so I'm just kind of trying to raise um, uh, awareness about how people who stutter are treated, like the treatment that I receive in restaurants and shops um, with staff laughing into my face um you know it's just isn't acceptable like so I'm just trying to kind of um explain how how a person who stutters uh feels when that happens to them have you had a, a stammer since you were a little girl, can you remember a point where it started? Yeah, so I first started to stutter about three years old. Um, it got progressively worse, um, kind of going into my teenage years. Um, I was brought to speech therapy as a child, but that didn't really helped me in any way um, so kind of as the years 
progressed. The daughter just got worse. So it's really literally as you were learning to talk as a little girl, the the, the daughter came with that. Has anyone ever been able to explain to you the cause of it? No, no. Like I just, like I suppose, you know, um, because it, it started when I was learning how to speak, I suppose like I was just kind of born with it, you know, so there was no real cause. And we're talking a little while about you, you'd like it to be considered as a disability, but, but help me a little bit, Sandra, like if someone is blind or has very poor sight, we know they can't mm-hmm. see me. If they're deaf, then I know that you can't hear me properly. Mm-hmm. But when you're speaking to me, and forgive my expression, you get stuck. Like, what is what is happening there for you? So it's kind of, you know, it's just um, the word, it just will not come, come out. Like, you know, it just, it just gets stuck on certain words, you know. And is it distressing and stressful? Um, I wouldn't really say, like, if I was kind of treated better, like, in shops and stuff, I don't think I would find it as um, distressing as I do because I've kind of accepted that I stutter, um, but distress over it is stemming from the treatment like that I receive in shops and places, you know? Yeah, one of the things I think that prompted you to, to send out the email that you sent to a lot of different places, and we were <laughs> delighted to get it from you, was an incident that happened in your local supermarket. Yes, yeah. So I was asking for something at the counter. Um, I was stuttering badly and the lady uh, serving me burst out laughing into my face. Um, So I went home really upset. I contacted the supermarket and emailed them in and the manager's uh, response was um, I spoke to the lady in question who thought about it after and thought that she may have upset you. She laughed to make light of an awkward situation, but no harm was intended. Like, so that kind of was telling me, like, that is a 
person whose daughters are is anybody with a disability an awkward situation you know how did you feel when you got that response oh well I, I was quite upset about it like you know um, being told basically like that it's okay to laugh at a person whose daughters if it's an awkward situation to be in you know which of course it's not okay at all and have you changed your behavior like do you avoid having to speak sometimes because you'll be afraid of a person's reaction yeah like i did actually uh, avoid that uh, supermarket actually um i only went actually back in there like uh, about two weeks ago um there was also a garage here in the town um, when I was asking for a cappuccino and the young lad behind the counter laughed and so I taffened uh, went back into that garage since that either so it's kind of like that you know <laughs> how does it make this it sounds like an awful stupid question but how, how does it make you feel when someone does that someone laughs at you when you are doing your level best to get yeah. yourself understood like you know it's it's extremely hurtful extremely upsetting and um, it makes me feel that because I am different, that people think like that it's okay to treat me like like I don't to matter, you know? Or to poke it's, fun it's at you. Very hurtful, yeah. Yeah, like, you know, so um, it's kind of making like a joke out of a person whose daughters. Did somebody once offer you a a pen and paper? Yeah, that was actually in a garage trying to say like um cappuccino um there was a big queue of uh people behind me and um the gentleman behind the counter um um he laughed and said do you want a pen and paper to write it down does it does it make it worse for you in a, a situation like that where it gets tense? Does that make your difficulty even worse? 
Yes, it does. Like if if I feel that the person I'm talking to is like kind of rude, um, if I feel that they are in like a rush, um, like to get me to speak quicker, I will stutter a lot more. That's because you put pressure on yourself, do you? To... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that must be a very hard situation to cope with. Yeah. Something that people do, Sandra, and I'm sure they've done it. Uh, mm-hmm. I know that previously I had a colleague uh, who had a stutter and I <laughs> did this one time and he warned me that if I ever did it again, he'd throw my point over me. <laughs> yeah. I finished the word for him. I finished the sentence mm-hmm. for him. And I think the message is very clear. You're not helping. No, no. That's actually the worst thing anybody can do to a person who's daughters like I get angry if a person does that to me you know it's 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 the worst thing anybody can do <laughs> and Sandra it might come from a place of kindness but in actual fact it's misdirected is that right Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like if I was to finish a word for you or a sentence for you right now, what Mm -hmm. message am I conveying to you, whether I mean to or not? So you'd be telling me that uh, you're in like a hurry or you want to kind of um, get me to speak quicker. You want to... intimidate me that's how it to make the person whose daughters feel you know does it happen a lot um it does actually it happens a lot actually in the drive through um on them intercom yokes, you know, the, um, the intercoms. Oh, yeah. In McDonald's yeah. and stuff, yeah. Yeah, 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 places like that. Like, um, do you know, say, they'd be busy, like, and they'd be trying to um, get the cars on, do you know? Hmm. Like, so I'd be kind of asking for something and instead of allowing me talk they'd start like like suggesting stuff like say oh a, a big mac is it big mac a hamburger cheeseburger and like so i would just say oh yeah 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 like happens a lot there actually yeah mm-hmm. You work in the HSE, I think, as a clerical assistant, which involves yes, using the phone a lot. Is that difficult? Yes. Uh, funnily enough, the phone actually isn't actually too bad in 
work. Um, it's something that you kind of just have to get on with. Like, you know, it's my job. Like, so I kind of just have to get on with it. But um, um, it kind of depends on the day, you know. Yeah, like, can you can you have good days and bad days with a stutter like yeah like I like today now I had I did have actually a good day you know with this speech but tomorrow I wouldn't be able to speak a word like so it's kind of weird you know how it goes in terms of friendships now, like your friends, your close friends, your family, they yes. obviously understand. Mm-hmm. I don't stutter around my two best friends. Um, I don't really stutter around my brother, um, around my sister. Um, they don't really to notice it actually my stutter that's amazing you know yeah yeah <laughs> have you any got any idea or have you ever asked anybody why that is like have you ever asked a therapist why that is i them? don't know and like like my two uh best friends of 20 years like like i rarely stuttered around them but to new friends, I'd stutter, but badly around them, you know. Mm. So it's kind of new uh, people I stutter. Does it make dating difficult? Oh, yeah. it's The dating scene is absolutely, absolutely chronic if you have a stutter. I'm single now. Um a good few years I've been on them that Tinder app um, and I find that if I tell a guy I stutter the majority of the time they stop talking to me like and actually there um I I had an incident actually, which absolutely destroyed my confidence in the dating scene. Um, but I was texting a guy off Tinder actually, like for about three weeks. Um, I went to meet him in a pub. Uh, he said to me, what drink do you want? And I was stuttering on Coke. And he laughed and he said, um, oh, are like, you okay there? I said, oh, like, I stutter. And he laughed and said, Jesus, um, you should have told me that when I was texting you like so that really like destroyed my confidence 
What a horrible thing to say. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and so I like like I didn't even respond. I just walked out, you know. Very upsetting, I'd say. Very extremely hurtful, yeah. Like so, you know, it's kind of things now, um like that in the kind of dating scene, like it's absolutely destroyed my confidence, you know, with trying to meet like a decent fella, like, you know, it's just, yeah, it's hard. I mentioned it earlier on, I want to come back to it. Um, You'd like to see stuttering recognised as a form of disability, I think. Yes, I would, yeah. Why is that? So it's kind of like, like you know, until you have a stutter, like you don't know, like how it it um, interferes, like with every aspect of your life, and like you know, like and like you know, it is actually a problem problem with like communicating like so and also like I think if it was recognised as a disability that people would think twice about to laughing like um, about it like we don't laugh at somebody who's blind. No. We don't laugh at somebody who's deaf. We don't no. laugh at somebody who's got a, a serious issue with their mobility. So, so why would we laugh at you? Yeah, and and it's kind of like you know, people kind of see it as it's kind of like a personal failing. Uh, more so than a disability, you know? By the very definition of disability, it's something that limits you in many or all aspects of your life, so it seems like a no-brainer. Can I ask you something to finish up, Sandra? Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I'm listening to you here now for for the last while, and it's a pleasure to speak with you, by the way, I may tell you now. Thank you, thank you. How can people help like when they speak to you or meet you for the first time how can those of us who don't live inside your head trying to form the word how can we help okay like so it's just kind of to you know be patient um just if you work in say like a shop or a a restaurant, like, you know, just have patience and um, allow the person who's stuttering, like, to speak, allow them extra time and, like, basically, like, 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 just don't treat stuttering as a joke, like, you know, and don't finish the word. 
Yeah, yeah, because that's the worst thing anybody can do, yeah. Okay, well, I think if we learn nothing from this conversation, we should learn mm-hmm. that. Sandra, thank you very much. I know what you're trying to do. Thank you so much. Raise some awareness, and you've done a fine job today. Thank you. Thank you, PJ. A great woman to talk to, really great woman to talk to. I spoke with her last evening. I have a follow-up in my mind to this item, and I will come back to it. I told her off air about the jam card and she jumped at the idea of the jam card. I'm going to follow that up with her in the days to come. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Dairy Made Premium Spread. 100% natural and made in Cork using West Cork Cream. Simon Murdoch and the best music mix. Weekdays from midday on Cork's 96FM. Right gang, back to help you through Wednesday with the biggest tunes in Cork. Get you all that latest Leaside news. So if you're in the car, at work, walking from home or just dancing around the kitchen, I'll provide the soundtrack from 12 here on Cork's 96FM. If you've worked with them, and I have, you don't need to be told twice that that's the voices of the Cork Prison Officers Choir. Gerald Leary is the chairman. Hi, Ger. Hi, PJ. It's Gerald Dwyer, actually. Gerald Dwyer. Beg your pardon. Beg your no pardon. Problem. I make the same mistake with everyone's name. I, once it's a no on it, I'm lost. You're lucky I didn't call you O'Sullivan. Anyway, Ger, <laughs> it's, been, it's been a while since I worked with the lads at a gig. I know the sound of the minute I hear it. You've made a record. Well, we haven't really. We just, well, I suppose a virtual record you could call yes. it, you know. But um, it's kind of after taking off, we're amazed actually by the reaction, you know. We just did it for, just to try and keep the choir going and give some fellas something to do during lockdown and that, you know. So we're absolutely delighted with the way it turned out. Now, everyone did their own piece in their own place and then you mixed it together. Who did it? Uh, yeah, we all did it in our own place. That, that's, that's why we picked that particular song, because um, it was a song we had done before. And yes. everybody was comfortable singing it and we knew we'd, we were going to be rehearsing on our own. So uh, it was all put together in by Brian White, and I'd just like to thank Brian for. Uh, I think it turned out lovely, and we're, we're delighted. And we're, we're um, I just like to really thank Brian for the. He put fierce time and effort into it. Yeah, and there's, very appreciated there's, there's a huge amount of work in taking all those different bits and making them all sound the same, and then putting them together. It's it. There's an awful lot of work in it. So where can we find it? Where can we see the song? Well, we have it. We have put up on our own Facebook page. You know, it's been shared on numerous occasions. The Irish Examiner have it on their page. Um, it's on Twitter as well. The Echo have it. I think Cork Bio have it. So it shouldn't be too hard to find. But we, it's, it's up on our own Cork Prison Officers Mail Advice Choir Facebook page. Well, I think we'll share it as well, and I'll share it on my own social because as I've worked, I've worked with the lads a couple of times. Like it's a soft side to the prison officers. You just love to get together and sing. It's a whole contrast to the work, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Well, see, we all work behind these big grey walls. Nobody really knows what we do, you know, such as all kind of guesswork. And I suppose people are guided by what they see on television. Because a lot of the times, a lot of the first questions we'd be asked when you, t- when you tell somebody what you do for a living, they say, what's it like? So we're just normal blokes. We love to sing. And if people get a bit of uh, enjoyment out of that and it brings a smile to their face for a few minutes, well, that's great as well, you know. Yeah. Well, good luck with this. I'll share it. And I can't wait to get to work with you guys again some capacity soon uh, when we can all can do these things again. The Cork Prison Officers Choir with Fly Me to the Moon. Thank you, Jerry. He's on shift at the moment, so he just dropped out. Fair play to, uh, fair play to Sandra.
so emotional. My son has the same, a severe speech and language issue. We all need to pull together and accept people. I work in a supermarket. I come across many people. I would never laugh or make someone feel different. Shame on whoever did that. Very brave to address this on air. Anyone who laughs at her for stuttering is not only rude, but just pure ignorant. A lot of people, says Kate, also grew up with a stutter, which is very, very true. Briefly, before I do one or two of your happy lists, must remind you to join Trevor Welsh on 96M.ie this weekend for the excitement again of the Premier League, all powered by Talk Sport. Liverpool against Newcastle at 12.30, West Ham v Chelsea at 5.30, Sheffield United against Brighton at 8. That's his lineup this weekend. It's the Premier League Live online with now stream live Premier League action with a now sports or sports extra membership and listen on Saturday on the Cork's 96FM app or at 96FM.ie. Just for fun, I should have done this earlier actually, I asked you for a couple of happy lists, the, the happy things that get you through. And loads of them, loads of them. Meeting my friends, meeting my family when we can and playing my sport. A face to the sun, a bit of yoga and a walk in the woods. Coffee, cats, the pyjamas on and the bra off. Right. Reading, knitting and coffee. Music every day. Metallica, says Pat. Hurling with my kids. And a half an hour alone in silence. I love that one. A belly laugh, a hot shower, solitude, says Maeve. And Jan, three happy things. Seeing my family again when I can. Listening to music. Being in the garden as it comes to life after a long winter. Louise, my three things, my daughter, knitting, and going into my nothing box. What's a nothing box? Love, what is a nothing, nothing box? Singing songs from musicals very badly, drinking some nice hot tea, and a Terry's chocolate orange. Oh, yes, a Terry's chocolate orange. Uh, Viv is in Madrid, buenas. The many things on my happy list, walking barefoot on freshly cut grass, sitting in the sunshine listening to the bees and stepping into the sea for the first swim of the year. She adds more to it, completing a jigsaw that's taken forever, and the first bowl of strawberries and cream of the summer. Oh, yeah, Burr says music, dancing, painting, gardening. Lovely things that make you happy. Thanks for those. And thanks for all your calls and messages during the morning. The programme edited by Terry Brennan, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. We will see you tomorrow, just after nine. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.